Well, I'll tell you, if, if it's your first time here, what we've been doing is we've been examining the life of Christ from the Gospels, from the very first of the Nativity when he was born, looking at his humility, looking at uh, how he handled and took sin seriously in the desert, his first miracle at Cana, Christ's public life. We looked at uh, Christ interacting with his disciples, his great graciousness towards his disciples. We looked at, um, what else did we look at? We've been examining Christ's life, and the challenge put forth is, if you're a Christian, this is how you should be walking. Christ said that if you love me, you'll obey me. A Christian is a person who follows the Lord's commandments. And uh, so we're going to take a break from looking at the Gospels this evening. A couple weeks ago, we looked at a... um, Evan shared with us about a guy who lived a long time ago, David Brainerd, who was just intensely in love with the Lord. He also intensely hated his sin. And uh, it was amazing because um, he had all these health issues, but even amidst all these health issues against all the adversity, he still pursued hard after Christ. So this evening, we're going to hear from five of you who have prepared a testimony of what Christ is doing in their life. And uh, a question I'd ask you is, why don't we always just, like, why would we do a testimony night? Why would we stop studying about Jesus and take time to hear what is going on in your life? I'd like to read from you in a scripture real quick to kind of focus this this evening. First Corinthians 2, Paul gives testimony. And it says, And brothers, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, In much trembling, and my speech and my preachings were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We give testimony not to talk about us, but we give testimony to talk about what Christ is doing in us. It's for His glory. And it may be in trembling, trembling speech. It may not be in the wisdom of men. But when a person's life is changed, when a person was once dead in their sin and is made alive in Christ, that's not a testimony of a man. That's testimony of what God has done to a man. And uh, the testimonies this evening are going to be they're going to vary. Some of, the, some of the, the folks here who have been walking with the Lord, walking after the Lord, has most of their life. Um, Brooke Center is going to come up next, share her testimony. She's walking after the Lord for a, a long time. Um, some of the people who, have been, who are coming up this evening, maybe just a, a few months after Brooke, AJ is going to be coming up. AJ, you've been walking with the Lord for three years. And uh, so it'll be interesting for each one of them to hear what the Lord has been doing. Um, I'm going to ask Brooke to come up. And Brooke's been a part of the 
Grace Bible Church and the college ministry for several years now and appreciate her service. And more than that, appreciate as you've been walking with the Lord. And I'm excited to hear what she's got to say. So here you go. Well, it is a very big blessing to be with you guys tonight. I'm not much of a public speaker, so you will definitely have to bear with me. Um, But yeah, like Annie said, my name is Brooke Center. um, And a story of Christ's redemptive work in my life really is one of his sovereignty, his faithfulness, and trustworthiness. Um, My two older sisters and I were blessed with a pretty leave-it-to-beaver childhood. If you guys don't know what that is, please come talk to me afterwards. Um, We grew up on a wheat field, a wheat field, no, we grew up on a wheat farm over in the good half of the state in a small farming community called Bloomfield, Montana, where everyone knows everything about you, and that's probably because you're related to everybody. I'm grateful to have had parents who love Christ and modeled serving Him by being involved in our local Christian camp and our church. When I was pretty young, I was convicted of the fact that my godly family couldn't save me. The blood of Christ on the cross was the only thing that could pay for the disobedient and sinful condition of my own heart and save me from the eternal death that I deserve. However, what it means to truly walk as Christ walked has become more and more real to me as I've gotten older. Fast forward a couple of years, I came up to NBC for my freshman year of college and during the second semester, found out that my dad's cancer had come out of its five-year remission and was aggressively ravaging his strong and capable body. Six months later, the Lord chose to take my dad home to be with him in heaven. The time leading up to those six months and the years following were some of the hardest yet sweetest times I've ever had with Christ. I've had, um, it was during that time that I learned what it truly is to be homesick for heaven and that while I may not fully understand his sovereign plan, I must trust and rest completely in him no matter what the circumstances are. During his illness, the Lord allowed me to watch firsthand as dad's earthly body slowly deteriorated. But through the whole thing, my dad followed the example of his Savior, Jesus Christ, by faithfully submitting to the will of the Father for his life on this earth. A verse that has become very important to my family is Psalm 31, 14 and 15. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. In the four years since then, the Lord keeps patiently reminding me to surrender my family, my desires, my plans, and all of myself to him. I've always been a planner. I write things on to-do lists just to feel that little burst of accomplishment when you can finally cross it off. But because of that, I keep finding myself wanting to pursue Christ by going through motions that I can just as easily check off. Read some verses in the morning, pray in the car on my way to work, you know, go to this function, play the piano for church, share my oh-so-godly insight with some struggling girl. The list goes on and on and on. But as I stubbornly keep on learning, The thing about pursuing Christ is that it requires the utter and complete denial of pride in my life, even the way that I would selfishly choose to go about looking like Christ. I just graduated from MSU, and my propensity to plan is a struggle, especially now that I'm away from the safety of a life filled with schedules, classes, homework, and extracurricular activities. I keep trying to figure every step of life out on my own, but instead what God's will for my life really is, is to be sanctified to be thankful, and to do good. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So I do battle with my mind to take every thought captive, to pour myself into his word, to seek godly advice, to keep a teachable heart, and to train my eyes on him. Because if I'm doing that, by the grace of God, I can make biblically thought-out decisions that are obedient to his word. 
So even after I've acknowledged Jesus as my Savior for as long as some of you have been born, which blows my mind, daily I must deny the self-centeredness that culture tells me is okay and humbly admit my need for him. I want so much to be more passionate for him. He is such a patient and faithful Savior who won't ever let up on transforming me into the image of his Son by challenging, refining, and using my own weak well for his glory. Because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Lamentations three twenty-two through 24. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, if you don't know who I am, I'm, uh, I'm AJ Rohr. I know quite a few of you people in here, but uh, some of you I don't, and I hope to get to meet you later. Um, biggest thing, like we've all been talking about, this is not about me or any of us tonight. This is all about Christ. Um, so I'll give you a quick snapshot of what's been happening in my life over about the past two months. I need to give you a little background first. Um, never knew anything of Christ when I was growing up. No one in my family was a believer. Uh, my grandparents kind of every now and then went to Catholic Mass, and I occasionally attended and slept. Um, but uh, three years ago, almost exactly three years ago, I was down in Denver at a business conference, and I heard the gospel for the very first time. There's 10,000 people there, and I walked down in front, and some guy led us in prayer, and I was like, okay, whatever. I don't know what that means. And But uh, not long after that, in about June of '09, I started to come to come to grace, and I started to understand what had happened that day. Um, two months ago, to the day, exactly, I was baptized here at Grace Bible Church. That was pretty fun. And that was also the weekend that everything kind of started to fall apart in my life. Um, just before that, my sister fell off the deck, broke her foot. She's 14, autistic, and is mentally challenged. Um, and she got a plate put in her foot, a bunch of screws and everything. So she was in a cast for a very long time. She's out of it now. Um, my, I also found out my brother uh, crashed while he was longboarding up in Great Falls. He's doing about 45 miles an hour, no helmet. Um, hit front and back of his head um, and was on full life support up in Great Falls. And he spent about a month and a half in, in the hospital, just got out recently. And then uh, the day he got out of the hospital, I got the call that my mom was in the hospital. And she had passed out while she was at work and couldn't figure out what was going on. Did a bunch of tests and finally figured out it was ovarian cancer, which had spread to a lot of parts of her body. So they... The day after they figured out what happened, the next day she went in for surgery, and she goes in a week from yesterday to get her first treatment of chemo. So what happened during all that, basically, my, my family's, my parents divorced when I was in kindergarten, so I've got a split family, remarried, have a very large family because of that, but uh, both of my families, both fronts of my life were just in ruins. Um, I was fighting to keep it all together, because I've always been the unifier between my families. I've always been the constant the one that, you know, passed messages along between each one. What happened that day is I really became blind to what was going on. I just was like, I don't understand. I don't understand what is happening. I don't even know what to do. Found 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. So I'm blind. Okay. So I don't have sight. That's good. So I can still walk by faith. Okay. Well, what, what is faith? Hebrews 11, 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Well, not seen. Okay, I'm still blind. That's good. But assurance, 
assurance and things that are hoped for. So started hoping that something would happen. Not really sure what. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Okay, so I'm blind. I'm sure of something that I'm hoping for and now I'm trying to trust in something I can't see and I don't even know what I'm trying to follow after but all of a sudden God started directing me. That's kind of what happened that day two months ago when I got baptized. Very slowly got little bits of information that this is the path I need to follow. Finally, to kind of bring it all together, one of my favorite verses is uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's what changed prayer. Prayer started happening in my life. I'd never really really done it before, and it suddenly became a consistency. I'd wake up in the morning, I'd set my alarm a little earlier because I like to pray while I'm laying in bed because I'm pretty comfortable and come up with really good things to pray about. I'm not really thinking about myself. I'm usually thinking about other people because I'm pretty comfortable and just waking up. So. so now I'm blind. I'm sure about something that I don't really know what it is. I'm being directed, but now all of a sudden there is this peace. I can't really even explain it to you um, other than I know something's changing in my heart, and that's not because of me. This peace that's like, hey, you know what? All this stuff that's going on, not what I have to fix. I just have to be here and be strong and continue on with what I'm doing and keep praying, keep walking, even if I might be blind, bump into things every now and then and get directed back the other way. So that's it, guys. Thank you. Let me just pray for us. Father, thank you for the chance to worship you through music and through testimony and through prayer. And As a body, as a body of Christ, Lord, we're so grateful for what you've done in some of these young men and this young woman's life. Lord, we thank you for your testimony through them and of your grace. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. My name's Tanner, and I'm not going to give my testimony, but I have the privilege to introduce our next three people who are. Um, These are all dear friends of mine. Again, this is a testimony of God's grace in their life. All great, genuine young men who I love and um, who I trust and who I adore and grateful for them. And I hope that you'll be encouraged in the same way that I've been encouraged as I spend time around them, as I get to know them better, um, and as we do life together. The first young man who's going to come up is Damon. Damon and I grew up together. We... uh, we grew up in the little town of Highwood, precious place. But um, as, Dave, as Damon will tell you, his testimony is pretty new. After Damon, Tyler Winthian will come up. Tyler's been walking with the Lord for some time, and most of you know Tyler. He's going to tell us what it takes to endure with the Lord for the long term and the testimony of God's grace in his life and endurance and in perseverance. Last gentleman that's going to come up and share his testimony of God's grace is Nate Wine and a dear, dear friend of mine whom I love. Um, very much, and he's going to also come up and tell what the Lord has done in him, through him, and continues to do in him. So, Damon, if you would come up, we'll start with you and um, share your testimony. You need to stand. Hello, everyone. I am extremely blessed to be here tonight and um, to share with you my story of God's gift of salvation. Um, For those of you who don't know me, I am Damon Alm from the very small town of Highwood, Montana. 
I am a freshman at MSU and I'm studying exercise science. I also have a twin brother, Derek, who goes to MSU as well. I grew up in a non-Christian home. Our family never went to church, and neither my mom's parents nor my dad's parents went to church either. Although there was no reflection of Christ in any of my family members' life, I was incredibly blessed to grow up in a town where we had a youth group. The youth group in high school was more of a social gathering for me, and almost the whole high school went. So since my friends went, I figured I should go too. That is where I first heard about Jesus. I knew that he died on the cross for me, but that had absolutely no bearing in my life. Sports consumed my life in high school. I lived for the Friday night football games and the basketball games throughout the winter. I never had God on my mind or in my heart. Drinking wasn't an issue in high school for me. We never drank due to the fact that we didn't want to jeopardize our sports season. But I figured that when I went to college, that was something I was going to do. I just thought that's what all college kids did. Highwood is bobcat country through and through, so I always knew I would go to Montana State. I got to college, and the first weekend there, all my friends went out partying. They insisted that I come, and it would be so much fun, but I decided not to go. Finally, the second weekend, they convinced me to go to a party. I got back to my dorm on Sunday and just felt horrible about myself. God had just come, and boom, he blew up my life. He hit me with what felt like a punch in the gut, and I knew that drinking and partying wasn't where I was supposed to be. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret whereas worldly grief produces death. That Sunday, I decided I needed to start reading my Bible. I sent a message to Rick, who I didn't even know, and had only said hi to in the dining hall, asking him what book I should start reading first in the Bible. I started reading my Bible and realized that I wanted to know God more. I wanted him to be in my life. I saw Rick, Tanner, and Chase and told myself, if that's what it looks like to have the Lord in your life, I want to be like that. On September 13th, I started talking with Rick again, telling him that I had been saved, but that had no bearing in my life. I also told him when God just hit my life on that Saturday and told me drinking and partying was not where I was supposed to be. I told him that I wanted God in my life. I cried out to the Lord, just telling him that I wanted to surrender my life to him. I was definitely at a loss for words, but I just asked God to come in my life and take every aspect of it over. I repented and believed. And by only the wonderful gift from God was I able to see my sin and repent from that and believe in him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I was a new creation, thanks only, only to God and his love and grace. I can remember clear as day that night, walking back up to my room, and just what joy filled me all the way to the core. This was something that I had never felt before God had intervened in my life, and it felt so good. Even walking around campus, singing my favorite song, My Chains Are Gone, which actually had meaning in my life now. God had slashed my chains of sin and filth that were holding me down and turned me into a new person. I was so happy and wanted nothing more than to serve the Lord who gave me the gift of salvation and died on the cross for me. John 1, 12-13 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I definitely hit the ground sprinting upon giving my life to the Lord. I felt like the Lord had pushed the 20-mile-per-hour button on the treadmill and set me on it. I was shot into my walk with the Lord at a dead sprint. I immediately started going to Crew, Cross Life, Church at Grace, and Tuesday Bible Studies, and more recently meeting with Rick on Wednesday mornings. What a blessing that time has been. I can't tell you guys how much I appreciate Rick. What an inspiration to me and a help to me in my walk with the Lord. Also a great friend, but more important than that, a brother in Christ. Any question I have had, which I can tell you is more than you probably guess, 
He has been more than willing to answer them all. I praise God for surrounding me with such a great example, so the least I can say is, thanks, buddy, you mean a lot to me. Upon surrendering my life to the Lord, I was quick to discover my first opportunity to grow in my relationship with the Lord. I was so excited to tell my parents the good news, but they were not excited about my news at all, and it became clear that they did not know Jesus at all and were so quick to reject the truth of his word. For what do we gain by rejecting the truth and believing the things of the world? Matthew sixteen twenty four through 26 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? I have had a hard time being surrounded by unbelievers, especially those unbelievers being my own parents. Matthew 10.36 says, A person's enemies will be those of his own household. This is not implying that my parents are my enemies, but instead that people are going to be against your decision, and in this case, it was my own family. But as Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Romans 5, 1-5 Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom which we have gained access by faith into his grace, in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. I have grown so much in my walk with the Lord since that amazing night that I'll never forget on September 13th. Man, I can just look back on that night with a big grin on my face and praise the Lord for what he did. He gave a wretched, filthy sinner who, who himself deserved to be nailed and beaten on the cross, new life, and an eternity in heaven. It can't get any better than that. I can't believe how selfish I was before I found the Lord and how blind I was. I definitely feel like the Lord has taken the scales off my eyes as well. Acts 9.18 says, Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. I have a much greater outlook on life. I no longer fear dying, because I know that I have eternity with my Lord and Savior in heaven. And man, I can't wait for that. The Lord has redeemed a sinner and has thrown away the filthy desires of old and given me new desires to enjoy reading my Bible, being part of a Bible study, and wanting to be obedient to God, who so deserves the glory. Finally, I'll end with one of my favorite set of verses that I've come across so far. Titus 3, 3-7 For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves of various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. To God be the glory for what he has done in my life, and to God be the glory for the rest of this life and eternity. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys. You know, it's good to be here. It is good to hear stories like Damon's. Um, God is good, and it's a blessing. I uh, actually really don't know where to start after Tanner's introduction of what it looks like to walk with the Lord for many years. I mean, there's people in here that are much older than me. And Tanner, that's just kind of setting me up, dude. 
All right. Um, my name's Tyler Winthian. I'm from a small town in northeast Iowa. Grew up farming. Um, farm boy runs through my blood. Grew up with parents that loved me, um, grandparents that loved me, and that loved the Lord. So from a very early age, I had just a tremendous example set for me. Um, and from a very early age, I grew up loving the Lord. Did a lot of the church things. Did the Awana, did the Bible quizzing. And I went through the actions. And I said I loved him. And to a point, I, I think I truly did. And I got to a point in my life, though, that I was not being satisfied with him. And as I look back now, is because I really didn't know his character. I really didn't know who he was. I knew what it was to be a, a Christian that went to church and did the Christianese things. But I didn't know what it meant to be truly and passionately in love with my Savior. And that led me down a different road. That led me down a road of saying I was a Christian and then looking to the world to find joy, to find happiness, to find fulfillment. Um, and that road took me down, not necessarily drinking and, and doing all that, but it took me down a road of seeking adrenaline rushes um, from whatever I could. So that means I, I worked harder, I worked longer hours, I um, drove faster, I raced my motorcycle faster. Um, all of those things to try to find that fulfillment and that happiness. And finally, um, the Lord brought me to a point after um, putting me in the hospital many times, brought me to a point and showed me that not only was I almost pushing myself to the point of almost physically killing myself, but that I was spiritually dead. Because I was not tapping into Christ. I was not tapping into a passionate relationship with him. Um, this led me to a very sad state. It led me to a place that I was, I didn't want to live. I had seen all my friends that were drinking, that were getting trashed on the weekends. I had seen friends die from that. I had seen friends die from overdosing. Seen girls that I loved very much, that are very close to me, getting pregnant because of sex outside of marriage. And it left me in a place of just like, God, is this what life is about? Honestly, is this some nasty joke that you're playing on us? It was a cold day in January that I came to that spot. And uh, I love to shoot guns, so I've always had guns in my life. And it was that cold day in January that I had the gun in my hand, and I was just like, if this is all that life is about, I'm done. I'm sick of life. Because I had tried to do the Christianese thing. I had tried to walk as Jesus walked on my own, and I couldn't do it. And I'm here to tell you guys tonight, just as I couldn't do it, you can't do it on your own. But God, Ephesians 2, but God. See, God didn't leave me in that state because it was at that place in a pl utter brokenness 
where I didn't even want to live because I was so sick with myself, so sick of what I had become. I didn't even want life anymore. But God, who is rich in mercy, had a different plan. He wanted to show the surpassing greatness of his grace and his riches in my life for the years to come and for the ages to come. And it was at that time that he really reached down to me when I was in an utter state, um, an utter state of need. Grace. To experience grace, you have to come to a state to realize that you really need it. He brought me to that state. One glimpse of grace, as you read scripture, shows that his grace covers over and washes away a multitude of sins. Um, turn with me, if you have your guys' Bibles, to 1 Corinthians 15.10. First Corinthians 15.10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God within me. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. Guys, it means that his grace gave me hope. It was not merely just a grace that was washing over my sins. He did that. He did that on Calvary. But it was a grace that was not without effect, meaning it was not without effect in my life. It was not in vain. His grace changes me, and his grace enables me. It changes me from the rotten state that I was in, and it enables me to walk as he walked. Um, so guys, if I was going to waste my life now, and if I was going to sit on the couch and watch TV, if I was going to <laughs> pour over porn magazines and lust, if I was going to give into the sexual desires of my body in, in masturbation, <laughs> sorry, I'm touching on some touchy things. Um, if, guys, if I was going to be such an outdoor enthusiast that all I did was spend time in the outdoors or all I did was farm, or maybe I just continued to try to walk as Jesus walked on my own, I would be treading on his grace. I would not know his grace. And for the longest time in my life, that's what I did. I said that I didn't get into the drinking. I didn't. But guys, I had another struggle. I had struggled with sexual sin. I had struggled with peeking at those, those porn magazines. I struggled with masturbation. And as a Christian, I could not figure it out. What is the deal? I'm supposed to be a new creation. But why can't I find victory over this? It's because I didn't know grace. Grace in my life is now the ability to choose not to sin. 
It's the ability to say no. It's the ability to say, I am not. Before that, I did not have that ability. Um, turn with me to 1 Corinthians one thirty. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That is so amazing. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Guys, if I on myself was able to say, nope, I don't want that anymore, Nope, I'm not going to do that anymore. If I, on my own strength, was able to say that, then the glory would be to me. Guys, I'm talking about a struggle that I know many of you face. I wasn't able to. But I can say, praise be to our Lord Jesus Christ, because he is victorious. Um. Turn back with me to 1 Corinthians 15. We'll pick up in the middle or towards the end of verse 54. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, Verse 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Brothers, sisters, he is victorious. He has conquered sin. He has conquered death. Therefore, stand fast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Um, Philippians 3.10. Turn with me there. Since he has conquered death, since he has conquered sin, I am now able to say and set my determined purpose, is what Paul says here in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that, my, in order that I may attain resurrection from the dead. I must be conformed to his death. Because all of my life, I was thinking that I could do it. That I could walk as Jesus walked. I can't. My Life has to be surrendered and laid on the altar before Jesus Christ. And then I can set my, and then he puts the purpose in me to know him and the power of his resurrection. I firmly believe that you cannot experience Christ on a level like that without being profoundly changed. This change happens when we are at the end of ourselves, when we are fed up with ourselves, when we realize that we cannot go on, that we cannot take another step, 
without his grace. One of my favorite quotes is by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he says, when, a, when Christ calls a man, he calls him, come and die. Now Bonhoeffer fulfilled that quote by pain with his life, with his own blood, at the hands of the Nazis. I don't know, I, well, I know I probably won't have that opportunity. But when Christ calls a man, he calls me right now to come and die, to lay my life before him, to say that Tyler Winthian cannot do it and that it is Christ who does it. Um, Oswald Chambers says that prayer is not the means to the higher calling. Prayer is the higher calling. This last weekend, um, we had a leadership conference here at church, and there was leaders from all over the state, or states, and a lot of the subjects that we talked about were sexual sins. And they were men and women who had been believers and walking with the Lord longer than I was alive, and yet they fell. Lives were ruined, marriages were ruined, congregations were split up. And I walked out of many of those sessions asking myself, what stops me? And I want you guys to ask yourself that too. What stops you from being any one of those men and women who <laughs> destroy their marriages, destroy you name it? It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. So I would encourage you Get on your knees before the Lord and seek his face. Know him ever so passionately. Because what prayer does is it not only calls on a higher power, it admits that I don't have it. And if up to me, I would be in the exact same place as every one of those men and women. But for the grace of God, there go I. And I think it was read earlier by Andy. So therefore, resolve to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified and the power of his resurrection. When I was thinking about this yesterday, um, Dirk told me about uh, this song, and it's called Trust and Obey. And I just want to read to you the third stanza. But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the joy he bestows are for them who will trust and obey. And friends, I just ask you, um, don't have a life like mine. Trust and obey. Seek his face. Know the Lord. Seek his character. And continually get on your knees before him. So, thank you guys. All right. Uh, hi, I'm Nate Winan. Uh, well, uh, as a kid, I always assumed that uh, I was basically just kind of like everybody else. You know, that's kind of what kids think, but... Um, one day I found out I, I have Asperger's syndrome, and the, once, once I found that out, oh, 
it just immediately felt inadequate because no one else had it that I knew. And um, to explain what it is briefly, it's it's high functioning autism. It basically means that I I uh, don't understand uh, social construction or I, I don't know understanding of any social stuff like uh, humor or sarcasm or body language. I, I'm getting better at that, but it's it's difficult. Um, uh, yeah, and I have a really hard time understanding what people mean most of the time, like through inferences and, and things like that. And uh, it makes pub- and public speaking is real difficult too. So, uh, so um, you're probably asking, why, so why are you doing this? This is so difficult. <laughs> uh, God told me to. Um, and uh, my inspiration for this is uh, Exodus 4:10 uh, through 14a. It's the part where uh, God's telling Moses to go talk to Pharaoh. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. But Moses said, O Lord, please send someone else to do it. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. (laughs) Uh, Seeing as that, really don't want that to happen. (laughs) Uh, I'm doing this. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yeah, I want to please him, and he'll help me speak tonight. So, um, (laughs) for uh, most of my elementary years and times following that, I endured a lot of physical and occupational and speech therapies. I spent a lot of my childhood and such uh, feeling sorry for myself and just being jealous of everybody else. Like, why do I have Asperger's and no one else does? At least not that I know. <laughs> um, I, you know, I blame God for it all the time. Why? Why? Why do I have this and no one else does? Um. Just, I just kind of hated him for it. It's like, and, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't really talk to anybody and tried to avoid social activity as much as possible because it just, I couldn't do it. And didn't really have many friends, and most of, and, you know, there, were, there really weren't any good ones, and there was a bully every five minutes. Uh, so... Once I got to high school, especially, um, life just got so dark and depressing, I thought about committing suicide multiple times. There was a knife I always stared at on my nightstand, and I just figured, why not? Might as well just do it. And every time I tried to do it, I would shudder, and something would tell me to stop. No idea what this was. Well, I do now, but... <laughs> and this happened almost every night for a year and a half of just this cycle repeating itself over and over again. Um, I know now, though, that that voice was God speaking to me, you know, to get me through that um, so I could end up you know, a better part of my life. Um, 
I was just, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I could, like I said, I could just never figure out why everything seemed so easy for everybody else. And it was just so difficult for me just talking to people. And, but <laughs> the nice part about it is um, I was so scared of everything <laughs> that I, end, you know, I didn't end up doing what everybody else was doing. So <laughs> didn't have any of that drinking and other bad stuff. So <laughs> uh, I guess that's good. <laughs> um, Towards the end of my senior year, one of my classmates asked me to be roommates with him in college. Um, I was excited about it. You know, I'm like, wow, somebody actually wants to be a roommate with me. Okay. <laughs> uh, so it went well for a really long time, well, for a while, and uh, he ran into some financial issues, so he moved out. Didn't really explain why. So, of course, I think it was me. I'm like, great. Um... So I fell into a really deep depression again, and uh, God intervened, and Joe Schreiber showed up one night at a, a dinner, because uh, I, si- I was sitting alone, and he asked me if he wanted to sit with him. There were lots of other people with him, of course. <laughs> and uh, I said, sure, why not? Uh, and so I did. Um, and then he, he asked me to come to a mixer with him, which I thought meant alcohol. <laughs> so, and no. <laughs> uh, I found out later that that meant a co-ed event, and that was a Campus Crusade. So I went to Campus Crusade, and there, <laughs> there, there I found, I just kind of found a group of friends that just really accepted me, and, you know. Uh, Joe and Tanner Ripley started talking me into attending a winter break retreat, I didn't really want to go. I just wanted to go home and hang out do and you know, enjoy my month-long vacation. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they eventually talked me into it. It was, it was great. Um, like, I just came to new, new experiences like prayer brought me much closer to God. Uh, one night we were just, we were praying for each other, and I'd finally figured out these people care about me deeply because, you know, up to that point, I pretty much figured love was just something some jerk made up and put in movies and books to make us feel sorry for ourselves. <laughs> so uh, it, was, it was that night that my heart of stone finally melted. Um, I, I realized that I need, I need this God, this Jesus Christ. You sound... <laughs> I, I just knew I could always rely on him to help me. Uh, so I decided to trust Christ, trust in Christ that night. Uh, the next year I started to read God's Word, and I would go and visit Chase and Tanner and Joe and Rick. <laughs> and uh, they'd, you know, through God, they'd lead me to, started leading me closer and closer to Jesus Christ. I started uh, ten, Tanner's Bible study, uh, and God's word just started to open up to me, and I realized, he can love, he slowly started to realize he loves me. Um, before that, uh, I just felt so, so guilty 
about everything I've done, put him on that cross, and I just didn't even recognize the love for a long time. Just, but eventually I did. Uh, and um, finally, one day, <laughs> I was on Wikipedia wasting time. <laughs> And uh, I was looking at Alexander the Great because I felt like it. And uh, <laughs> and uh, there's a passage. It said that you know he's there's a prophecy of him in uh, Daniel eight. So I decided to go read Daniel eight, and it actually precisely predicts Alexander the Great more than 200 years before his birth, which was really cool because I like history. So <laughs> so I, that was really that was huge for convincing me the Bible is truth. Uh, so uh, today I I just feel I feel a lot more comfortable in um, social environment. I mean, Tanner could tell you that I probably struggled to say one word <laughs> to him <laughs> uh, back when he first met me. So um, I mean, and yeah, now I just don't feel as inadequate. Uh, a few weeks ago, there was a leadership event with uh, Cross Life. And basically just said, you, he'll, he'll, he makes you adequate for everything. And um, this was revealed to me, especially through Second uh, Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. Or because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was giving a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's it. (laughs) 